And so if you guys would please jump to your feet and give a big welcome to Noah Heron. Hey, if you love Jesus, can you make some noise tonight? Come on, you can do better than that. If you love Jesus, can you make some noise tonight? Pastor Mike is the man. Don't you love this guy right here? I don't, I don't know about that, but thank you. Come on, come on, give it up for Pastor Mike, Pastor Christy. I'm going to move this up just a little bit. I'd like to see you. It's kind of dark in here, but uh, I look better probably in the dark, so that's probably probably a good thing. But, uh, man, it's so good to be in the presence of God, isn't it? Um, just worshiping tonight, the freedom that was in this place was incredible. Every time I worship Jesus, especially this year, I don't, you know, this year's been crazy for, for everybody in a, in a lot of different ways, some people more than, than others. But, man, I just, I don't want to take for granted gathering together. You know, there's just something that happens when we gather together and worship Jesus. Tonight I was looking around the room and I was just overwhelmed with the thankfulness uh, for the grace of God. Right? This is the year of, of canceling things. You know, not just events, but we, we're canceling people in 2020. Like, you say something offensive, you get canceled. You tweet something back in 2011, someone finds it, you get canceled. You know, we're just canceling people, canceling people. And I was standing over here and I was like, man, if anyone deserved to be canceled, it was me. If anyone deserved to be canceled, it was me. And yet Jesus didn't come to cancel me. He came to cancel my sin. He looked a sinner like me in his eyes and he said, you know what, I'm going to walk to a cross for you. Not when you clean yourself up, but before you even take a step towards me, I'm going to run towards you. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God tonight that just comes running towards us? I love in Colossians. Paul says, I was dead but I came alive through Jesus Christ. My debt was paid and my sin was canceled. <laughs> Every time someone says the word cancel in 2020, I just want to reply with that, that scripture in the comments. <laughs> but uh, my name's Noah. I'm so honored to be here. Um, so honored to have Pastor Mike as a friend. He is just the most genuine dude. Uh, you guys are so blessed to have him as your pastor. I think it would be appropriate just to let him know how thankful we are for him leading this church, leading this conference. Come on. It's an honor to also be in the room with Pastor Joe, living legend. Learned so much just from being around him for a couple hours today. And um, man, I, I really don't like uh, that I have to follow Pastor Joe. But uh, here we are. It's going to be a growing experience. Y'all pray for me. Um, one more thing. Uh, my friend Cam is up here on the front row. He won a hoodie. Cam, how old are you? Fifteen. How far did you and your dad drive to come tonight? Oh, okay. But that's like, that's like four hours in New York, isn't it? Yeah. Man, it's so good to see you. Can we give it up for Cam? He's 15 years old. Good to see you, man. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. And uh, <laughs> unless you have an Android, just leave it in your pocket. Can't have you disturbing the airwaves. <laughs> We're going to be in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple scriptures, but I um, just want to camp out. Simple verse, 1 Peter 
chapter 5, verse 7. As you're going there, statistics say that you're going to listen to me longer if I show you a photo of my family. So I'm going to do that really quick. Um, I have a photo of my wife and I. Her name is Maddie Heron. Can we show a picture? Maddie and I, I think it's coming. It's my beautiful wife, Maddie. We've been married for a year and a half. If you've ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama, anyone seen that movie with Reese Witherspoon? That is my wife. If you've seen that movie, you've met my wife. She's from Birmingham, Alabama. They were talking about barbecue. I'm sitting there like, you don't even know, okay? <laughs> like, her accent is thicker than any piece of pork you've ever eaten in your life. I promise you. All right, but she is uh, incredible. She's at home watching our son. His name's Mowgli. We have a photo of Mowgli, our 22-pound uh, son, just a full head of hair. This is Mowgli, and uh, <laughs> for the past four years, um, I've been living in Cleveland, Tennessee, which is just outside of Chattanooga, leading a, uh, a young adult ministry called The Gathering, where um, we would have thousands of young adults gather, worship Jesus, and uh, it was incredible, and we got married, we started praying uh, about what the future looked like, and uh, we felt like God put it on our hearts to go back to Atlanta, Georgia. My parents planted a church there called Neighborhood Church. Our mission is find Jesus, be a neighbor, and win the neighborhood. Come on, somebody. And so um, we moved back to Atlanta uh, at the end of April of this year, year of 2020, year of cancel, cancel culture. And uh, we're trying to uncancel everybody in Atlanta, Georgia, in the name of Jesus. Um, but we love it. It's an honor to be here. First Peter 5-7, here we go. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's it. That's the, that's the tweet. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want to read one more scripture. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, you want to write it down. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love that, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything too heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Anybody here love to live freely and lightly? Man, I read that, and I was like, ah, I need that. I need that. I want to talk to you tonight. The title of my message is Something is Missing. Will you just say that with me one time? Ready? One, two, three. Something is missing. You sound great. Dear Lord, thank you so much for these moments. God, I ask that you'd speak to us tonight. Um, remove me from the equation. Let your word do the talking. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A and everybody said. Amen. So uh, my wife and I introduced you to her via the screen a second ago. When we were about to get engaged, um, I had to buy a ring, right? And uh, I don't know if there's any guys in the room. Would any, any guy in the room who's married, would you just raise your hand if you knew nothing about jewelry before you had to buy an engagement ring? Okay, that was me. I was so nervous walking into the jewelry store for the first time. I, I, I looked like a jewelry noob, okay? I promise you. I, I had no idea. I had $4 in my pocket, and I was like, I got to find something good. And I walk in, and the lady sees me, and she, and she comes over to me, the lady working at the, the ring store, or whatever it's called. And, uh, and she, goes, uh, she goes, hey, so what, what are you doing here today? I said, well, there's this girl. 
you know, she starts smiling, and, and I was like, no, but she's like amazing, so this ring, I gotta get a ring, and, and it's gotta be amazing, and she goes, well, I'm here to help you, darling, like you know, everyone in the South says darling, you know, I'm here to help you, darling, and, uh, and she said, do you know what kind of cut you would like? And I was like, what? What kind of cut? What is this, a great clips? <laughs> I'll take the fade, you know, give me the fade. <laughs> Then she was like, do you know what kind of clarity you would like with this ring? And I was like, oh, goodness, give me all the clarity. We need all the clarity in a relationship. That makes for great marriages. Give me all the clarity, you know. And it was just this, this nerve-wracking experience. But by the grace of God, we get to engagement night, and, and she said yes. That was a huge shocker to my parents. They were like, wow, <laughs> she actually said yes. And uh, she liked the ring. Everything was good, right? And, and we're walking out of the restaurant we ate dinner at, and um, it had been about 10 minutes after we left, and I, and I hold her hand, and then it hit me. This is what hit me. I realized that for the next six months of our engagement, that she was going to get to wear a ring, and I was going to get to wear nothing. Have you ever thought about how messed, this up, how messed up this is for us guys? Like, girls get the bling, <laughs> we lose the cha-ching, we have nothing. We have nothing. This is so messed up. And, and, and girls, you know, they love to rub it in, too. Like, you ever met an engaged girl? She's, like, talking about the weather. She's like, oh, my goodness, it's raining outside. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> Let it fall. <laughs> like, we see the ring, right? But I made this huge deal. I was, I was super dramatic, right? And I actually think we have a photo of Maddie on our engagement uh, night that we can show. Here she is, right? She's just showing the ring, and then, then we have a photo of me on the engagement night. Like all guys, I'm showing off my freckles. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's what I got. But I made this huge deal. Okay, I have a point. I'm, I made this huge deal about how I didn't have a wedding ring. And then we get married, or, or an engagement ring. We get married, I get my ring. We go on our honeymoon, and I kid you not, this is the truth. Second day of our honeymoon, I lost my ring. <laughs> Uh, I walked around Mexico for 48 hours with my left hand glued to the inside of my pocket because I didn't want Maddie to know I lost it, and uh, the housekeeper found the ring, so I got lucky. But I lost this ring, and I started thinking about this idea of, of a relationship, you know? Because what had happened at an altar a couple days ago couldn't be reversed. It was a covenant that had been made at that altar, right? We were in relationship. Me and Maddie, we had become one. The two became one. And even though I didn't have my ring, right, we were still in that relationship. Something was just missing. I thought, man, that's kind of interesting. Because for a lot of the time I was following Jesus, I felt the same way. I knew I was in relationship with Jesus. I knew if I died, I would spend eternity in heaven. But if I was honest, when I laid my head down at night, it just felt like something was missing. I would see other people who had the joy of the Lord, and I had to fake the joy of the Lord. I would see other people who lived freely and lightly, and I would go, man, I feel kind of burdened and heavy. I, I feel like I, I could use a salad. Why is it? That something feels like it's missing. I, I wonder if there's anyone here, maybe if you're honest with yourself, you go, man, you know, that's me. I, I, I know that I know Jesus. I know that he died for my sins. I know he's my Lord and Savior, but something 
feels off when I lay down at night. I hear more from my anxiety and my worry and my fear than I do Jesus. Why is it that those voices are louder than God's in my life? Something is missing. Something's missing. First Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I think we have to start with this verse, right? 2020, year of anxiety. What do we do with the anxiety? First Peter 5.7 is really simple. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Here's the problem with that verse. It's that you will never cast unless you first believe that Jesus cares. You'll never cast your anxiety unless you truly believe that Jesus cares. I don't know about you guys, but I was a, a punk kid. When I, when I was 12, 13 years old, I would literally rank my friends, okay? This is, this is a punk move right here. I would rank my friends. I had an ongoing rank, ranking system, and it was all about what you did for me. So if I had a friend who let me cut them in the lunch line, 10 points, you know, you're moving up the rankings, you know? <laughs> like, like, oh, you didn't let me look at your Spanish homework? Well, you're coming down. <laughs> Like, this is how it was. I had this ongoing rank in my head for my friends, and it was all dependent on what you did for me. Show me your track record of caring for me. If we're honest, even as adults, we do this. Maybe we don't rank our friends, but the people in our life that we trust the most have shown us how much they care for us. Right? The people that you feel the most comfortable opening up to in your life are also, not coincidentally, the same people who have shown that they actually care for you. Noah, how do I know that I can trust Jesus? How do I know that I can cast my anxiety onto Jesus? Why should I cast? Because he cares. How do I, how do I know that Jesus cares? If you ever want to know how much Jesus cares, just look at the cross. If you ever want to know how much Jesus cares for you, look at the cross. Because when he went to the cross, it wasn't for the cleaned up version of you. It wasn't for the version of you that, that you post on Instagram or even that you show up as here at City Church for Revo Conference 2020. The version of you that he went to the cross for was the version that no one else even knows about. You know, it's really easy for, for us to love from a distance. You know, we love people through Instagram. We love people through Facebook. We love people who live across the street from us. But it's really hard for us to love the person we live with in college, you know, because you see their dirty laundry. You see all the stuff up close and personal. And the more, you, the more we get to know somebody, the harder it is for us to love them. That's why we see marriages fall apart way too often. Because it's hard to love the closer you get. You know that Jesus Christ got closer than any other person possibly could because he didn't just look at your actions. He looked at your thoughts. He looked at your motives. He looked at your unclean life desires. All the stuff that you can't post about. And he said, hey, I care that much that I'm going to go to the cross for that version of you. I'm going to walk to the cross so that I can take your place. He who knew no sin literally became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Think about the cross. If you ever want to know how much Jesus cares, think about the cross. But don't just think about the cross. Think about how long he stayed on the cross. You ever thought about this? At any moment, he's the son of God, right? We sang about the authority just a second ago that Jesus has. At any moment, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, you know, taking just unimaginable pain, he could have called it off at any moment. 
At any moment, legions of angels would have come and swooped him up into heaven. If he wanted to destroy the Roman Empire, it wouldn't have even been a fight. And yet he hung there on the cross. What does this say? What this says to, to me that it wasn't nails that held Jesus on the cross. It wasn't a Roman Empire that held Jesus on the cross. It, it, it wasn't some rope tying his legs to the wooden pole that held him on the cross. It was his unexplainable, unimaginable, unfathomable care for you. You ever want to know how much Jesus cares? Think about the cross, but then think about every second that he stayed because every second he hung there, he did it for you. You want to talk about track records. Jesus has a track record of showing that he cares. You can cast because he cares. Say he cares. Come on, say he cares. Second thing that I see from scripture is that casting has a speed limit. Casting has a speed limit. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love the scripture. It's really popular words of Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But if I'm honest with myself, I read this scripture and I go, man, I really would love the life that Jesus promises. I believe Jesus is the truth. But I really don't know if I want to live the way Jesus lived. I don't know. You know it's, it's easy in 2020, 2,000 years after Jesus lived, to go, man, I, I, would, I would totally love to be like Jesus. But Jesus was different. He was so countercultural, so different. Like, like you realize Jesus wasn't like this hippie that everyone loves, like this, this Instagram celebrity that everyone loves. Like he literally was killed because he was so different. But I think about the way that Jesus lived, the, the logistical way, the everyday way that Jesus lived. One of, the, one of the ways that Jesus lived that really frustrated even his friends, the, his closest friends, the disciples, was the speed that he lived his life at. He's always, always taking his time, you know? Like, I, I don't know about you, but um, I hate traffic. And so we moved to Atlanta so that fruits of the Spirit would develop in my life. I'm always trying to take the easy, easy way out, right? We have this lane in Atlanta on the left side of the road. We have like nine lanes of highway, and there's a tenth lane over to the left called the Peach Pass. We don't even have a Peach Pass. I just get in that lane all the time. We're getting fines left and right because I can't wait in traffic for five minutes. I, I'm so rushed. I'm always in a hurry. And, and, and I know that if I had been walking with Jesus 2,000 years ago in person, I would have been constantly frustrated at Jesus. His disciples were always like, okay, Jesus, time to go to the next town. And then he'd be like, no, I'm going to go to the mountain and pray. They're like, you can't pray right here. No, 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 I got to go. I got to go to the mountain and pray. Well, are you going to be back in like, you know, an hour? No, no, I think I'm going to go for three days. They're like, what? We have reservations at the Holiday Inn. You know, there's this frustrating way that he lived, this pace that he walked through life. He was unhurried. He, he was always looking for, for more people to talk to that were on the outskirts. He was constantly canceling the schedule and canceling the plans. And I thought about this. If you want to experience the full life that Jesus offers, you can't uh, ignore the life that he lived. You can't ignore the lifestyle that he led. Another thing that I found interesting about the ways of Jesus. So when Jesus went on and ascended into heaven... 
the early church was not called the church. I'm sure a lot of you know this. I, I didn't know this. I, it wasn't called the church. It was called the way. It's called the way. And I, I'm, I'm reading all this. I'm studying. I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, like, like we're called to live the way Jesus lived. And then the earliest disciples come along and they're literally not known as the gathering place or the church. They're, they're known as the way. I wonder if they were called the way because the way that they actually lived their life was so different, was so, com compared to everyone else, was so contrasting that they had to just refer to it as, as the way. Man, 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 look at them over there following the way of Jesus, following the way of Jesus. Like everyone was stressed, and, and, and we think that we're stressed in 2020. We think that our culture is crazy in 2020. A whole lot hasn't changed over 2,000 years. If you, if you read scripture, a lot of the things that they struggled with, we're still struggling with now. It's just in a new shoebox. I wonder if the early church got something that we don't always get. Now, everyone was looking at them, and they were going, man, they're going through the same stuff I'm going through. And yet they're walking freely and lightly. I'm over here burdened. I'm living life my way. They're living life a different way. And it's not just affecting where they're going to spend eternity. It's affecting their life on earth. They're talking about Jesus as this person who's saving them for eternity. But he's not just some travel agent who's booking them a room in heaven with a lakefront view. He's actually a change agent in their life. I wonder how I can be a part of the way. Do you see how the early church began to grow? Do you see how this was so attractable to people? Man, it wasn't just someone that they talked about. It was, it was someone that had changed them. It was someone who had changed their everyday life. In 2020, we have a way that we do life, right? We, we, when we get stressed out, when we get anxious, what do we do? We just do more. Man, I'm so stressed, I don't have money. I, I better just work some more. Man, you know, I, I wish that I had more, more popularity or, or I was climbing the, the ladder at work or, or I wish that, that I was uh, whatever it is. And we just go, hey, you know what? The way to solve this is, is not less. It, it's just more. Let me add more to my calendar. Let me add more to the bank account. Let me add more followers on Instagram. Let me add more, 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 more. And we start running this, this pace that we were never created to run. I preached at a, a conference in January and um, there was a, a 70, 80 year old lady who was sitting on the front row. And um, I could just tell she was just cool. I, I want to be like her when I get to my seven. She was so cool. And, and she was like talking to me when I was preaching and stuff. And I couldn't really hear, but I was just like, mm, you know. <laughs> and as soon as service was over, she came up to me and she said, uh, she said, Noah. I said, hey, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> and she said, uh, she said, I follow you and your wife on Instagram. And I was like, you have an Instagram? I got to introduce you to my Nana, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to get her on there. I start talking to her and, and we, we're going back and forth and we probably talked for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Her name was, her name was uh, uh, Pam. Pam was the coolest. And Pam, she looked at me and she goes, hey, no, before you go, I have to ask you a question. And I was like, yeah, sure. Come on. I'm going to tell you. 
She goes, I follow you on Instagram and I noticed that you're always so busy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Is that, is that a question? She goes, yeah, why are you so busy? And I didn't really know how to say it. kind of felt like the conversation had shifted a little bit. I was like, I thought we were tight. Now I feel like you're coming to me. What's going on? And so I just kind of laughed. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, the devil doesn't take days off, so neither should I. I promise you, this 75-year-old lady, she turns and she snapped at me. She said, why is the devil your role model? Jesus rested. And I was like, whoa. You want to preach the second service? I think sometimes we can gather in places like this. We can get real excited during worship. We can get real excited when a preacher preaches. And we totally ignore, like we're, we're pumped about the truth. We're pumped about the life. But then we totally ignore the ways of Jesus. And we go, man, why does something, why does something feel like it's missing? And yet we've neglected Sabbath, and we've neglected our Bibles, and we've neglected any time sitting with Jesus and just listening. And, and we come to church, and for like 45 minutes we yell and we praise to Jesus, but then we put down the phone that we're communicating to him with, and, and we let it just sit there. And then we go back to trying to walk through this life on our own, to carry our burdens on our own, to do all of it at a pace that is unsustainable, and we wonder why something feels like it's missing. You ever prayed a prayer like this? God, God, I, I just, I have, I have this issue going on. You know, me, me and my wife, we're, we're struggling. I, I just wish that you would, you would help us out financially because, because we got to figure out a way to pay for our future kids. And, and we got to pay, uh, you know, we want to retire one day and not have debt. And we want to be able to, you know, go to Golden Corral like everybody else. And, 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 and I wish that you, God, would just give me a, a nicer car and, and, a, and a better job. And we just start praying all these things that we want, all these things that we want, without even realizing it. We've made this entire life about something that was never supposed to be. And we're stressing out over things that we were never meant to stress about. And we're, we're worried about building kingdoms that are going to pass away. And I wonder how much it breaks the heart of God for him to be up, up in heaven going, no, 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 no. You have one little second on this earth. One little second, I wonder if we could see the perspective of Jesus just for a moment tonight, if it would change the way we would live our life. I wonder if it would change the way, maybe instead of building things and stressing about things our entire life that are going to fall away the moment we die, if instead we would take our one second and we would give it away. We would say, hey, I'm going to give it to my neighbor. Hey, I'm going to give it to God's kingdom. Hey, I'm going to give it to something that's going to last a whole lot longer than me. And in the meantime, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and the joy of the Lord, that's going to be what comes out of me. When the pressure gets turned up and everyone's worried about an election and the future of my country, guess what I'm going to be worried about? Where I'm going to be spending eternity, the presence of Jesus, lifting up the name of God, talking to my neighbor about how they can have the same hope that I do. Yes, I care about the things in our country. Yes, I care about the things in our world. But one thing matters a whole lot more, and it is my relationship with Jesus Christ. You can take a whole lot from me, but you can't take that. If your joy, if your peace, if your hope are, are found in other things, those things eventually can be taken. But when it's found in Jesus, when it's found in his ways, his truth, his life, it can't be taken. It can't be shaken. I just rhymed. He's that good. 
He's that great. His, his ways are that important. Maybe if we could just lift up our eyes. Say, Jesus, you're more than the money in the bank account. You're more than the relationship that I'm seeking so desperately. You're more than the popularity. You're more than the picture-perfect family that it seems like everyone else has and, and I don't. You're, you're more than the career that's become an idol in my life. He's better and he lasts longer. Something might feel like it's missing tonight, but it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. He hasn't gone anywhere. It's been several times in my life I, I've heard, heard preachers, different people in my life, they say things like, you know, maybe it feels like Jesus is is far from you. No, 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 he's not. <laughs> he's not far from you. Never, never went anywhere. You don't have to fight your way back to Jesus. You just have to turn around. You just have to silence, put do not disturb on the things that are speaking to you louder than he is. You have to get back to his ways. You have to get back to his disciplines. Man, I, this, is, this, is, this doesn't preach good. You know, it's not something that people get pumped about. But man, I cannot tell you how much a Sabbath has changed my life. <laughs> man, just taking one day, not where I'm just a lazy bum, but I take one day and, I'm, and I go, you know what, I am going to take this whole day with my wife and we are going to do fun stuff the entire day. We're going to take our dog on a walk. We're, we're going to go for a uh, window shop at West Elm because we can't afford any of it, but it looks good and we're going to dream about it and we're going to act like it's our couch while we sip our $3 latte. Just fill, fill up a whole day doing something that gives me life. Just, just praising the Lord through my family, through enjoying what he made here on this earth. You would be surprised what it would do for your soul. Can, can I tell you what a prayer life has done in my life? Can I tell you, just instead of just reading my Bible for five minutes and throwing it underneath my shelf, taking the five minutes and then saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to take another five minutes where I'm not going to read, I'm not even going to pray, I'm just going to, Shut up and listen for a second. I'm just going to be okay with silence for a second. <laughs> I'm just going to be okay with not having noise on 24-7. You would be surprised how much his ways will change your life. How much his ways will show you even more of his truth. It's incredible. At this time, my friend Nathan's going to come up. Will you give it up for Nathan? He's a stud. He's a stud. I think part of dealing with anxiety, stress, worry, all the stuff that we're talking about tonight, you have two ways to handle it, right? And um, I did some research on the top eight things in 2019 that caused anxiety in people's lives. Top eight things, okay? So this is the list. We got loneliness, health finances, family, college, relationships, future, social media. These eight things, according to some New York Times article I googled, caused the most anxiety in 2019. Okay, so there's two ways that we can handle this anxiety. Here we go. I'm you, you're me, we're all right here, living our life, doing our thing, okay, and um, all of a sudden, uh, I start spending too much time on social media. I start living my life through social media. I start comparing my life to other people through social media. And all of a sudden, this thing that I used to use starts using me. And here it comes. 
and it hits me. This, this is what it does, right? Now, here's my future. I start thinking about my future. I start th- going, man, what in the world is happening in our country? What's going to happen to the election? What, what's going to happen with, with all the justice that, that needs to be served? What, what's going to happen with, with my future job and, and my future? All this stuff, and here it comes, and it hits us, right? And we just we let it bounce. And then relationships, right? You're single. You're on Christian Mingle. You're like, where is Boo? Where's my Beyonce that sings Hillsong music? You start getting stressed out. You start getting anxious. And here comes relationships become a big part of anxiety in your life. Loneliness. You're like, man, you know, this, this quarantine has not been good for me. I've been sitting in my room all the time. I don't get to hang out with my friends. You know, I, even when I go to church, i got to be six feet apart, which is probably pretty good because I've been doing them Bethel, Bethel swings and stuff. But here it comes. My health, you know, coronavirus. Enough said. Here it comes. I'm stressed out. Right? Finances, like how in the world, you know, I, I lost my job. College, how am I going to, what's even going to happen with college? You know, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm about to go to college or I was in college and now I don't know what to do because, you know, corona, it's, it's so much money and here it comes. Finally, family. You know, for a lot of people, this quarantine, being around family more, it's been really stressful. They don't have great family lives. You know, so here comes family. And here we are, right? In the middle of all of this. This is how we chose to approach the things that cause anxiety, worry, fear, stress in our life. And we're surrounded by stuff. Not just stuff, but stuff that weighs something. Not just stuff that weighs something, but stuff that literally stops us from moving in different directions. See, this stuff, when it's in your life, it it doesn't just take up mental real estate. It actually can cause you to stop following Jesus the way that you were intended to. Jesus could be right here, but you're just like letting this stuff weigh you down. You, you don't feel free. You don't feel light because this stuff is controlling your life. There's a lot of other stuff that could be up here. These are just eight things. But if I'm honest with you guys, I was preaching for two and a half, three years with stuff. I was preaching about a light burden, an easy yoke. I was talking about a Jesus that I said changed my life, and really he changed my eternity, but he didn't really change my life all that much. There's a second way we can deal with all of this stuff. Nathan is a trooper. Give it up for Nathan one more time. (laughs) I want to read you this scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians 10.5. And it says, And we take every thought captive, And make it obedient to Jesus. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. What do we have to do as followers of Jesus? Because we aren't immune to the things that people go through in this world. We we talked about that. But we do have an option that people who don't know Jesus don't have. And it's that we can catch it and then cast it. We can catch it at the door, take it captive and then cast it where it belongs, at the feet of Jesus. So when our future comes into our life, and we start worrying about the future, this time we catch it, 
And we remember what the great theologian Tim Tebow said when he said, I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to just enjoy today. I'm just going to be present in the moment today because I have no control over tomorrow. What's the point? Jesus has me. He had me yesterday. He'll have me today. He'll have me tomorrow. And now, because I caught it, I can cast it. Right? Social media, comparison, all this stuff. I'm not even going to get into this one. Comparison, all this stuff. We're just comparing our lives, comparing our jobs, comparing... Comparing, comparing, comparing. And then you remember, man, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't need to go to social media for my validation. My validation comes from Jesus Christ. My affirmation is in Christ alone. I can catch it and I can cast it. My relationships. This was a big one for me in college. I dated a girl for four years. I'm telling you, I thought she was the one. She broke my heart. Started dating another guy. I got engaged within like nine months of when we broke up. I was heartbroken. I, I was about to pick out a ring for her, and I'm like, this controls my life. Then I met my wife, and I was like, why was I ever worried that God would be a God that created love? My desire was to be married, and I thought he was going to leave me out of love? No, 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 no. I'm going to catch the future of my relationships, and I'm going to Cast it at the feet of Jesus. Loneliness. A lot of loneliness going on right now. But I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The presence of Jesus is not confined to a space or to a room. It's not confined to relationships around me. He's with me always. I can cast it. College. This kind of goes along with future. I really wasn't good at school. It was a miracle. I made it to college in the first place. We go, man, if Jesus cares about all the other areas of my life, even if I make the wrong decision with college, I, I remember the story of Jonah where he took a step in the wrong direction and still ended up in the will of God. No wrong step is too big for a righteous God. I'm going to just trust Jesus, my health. Yeah. It's easy to worry about until you remember that Jesus' nickname is the healer. Jesus' nickname is the great physician. And then I can just cast it right where it belongs. Family life. Y'all, I work for my dad now, which, you know, is a blessing, but it's kind of rough when your dad's boss. <laughs> it's a lot of family, family issues going on in people. A lot of families who don't know Jesus, people who live in a family where they're the only Christian. We have several of those in our church. I'm just believing that in this season, that family life is going to go from an anxiety and a stress to, to God using people in their families until every single person in their family knows Jesus, <laughs> believes in Jesus, puts their trust in Jesus, is baptized by the Holy Ghost, the whole nine yards, because Jesus cares. So I catch it and I cast it. Finally, finances... This is a hard one. This is the one that, as you grow up, it's the hardest to truly trust God with. It's 
the hardest one to truly catch at the door to make obedient on a daily basis. My wife lost her job in March. COVID and all the stuff, the company she was working for went out of business and, you know, I'm a pastor, but we're blessed. We're not like blessed, like blessed, blessed. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. And um, she lost her job the week that I was supposed to start a collection of talks at our church on anxiety. <laughs> she lost her job on a Tuesday. I was supposed to start preaching on Sunday. And um, I'm studying for this message. And I'm like, we literally don't have money to pay our mortgage. Like, we, we just don't have it. I'm stressed and I'm mad at God. I'm like, why would you put me on the teaching schedule for this week? You knew this was going to happen. Stupid. I struggled so bad. I mean, that Sunday morning I got up and on top, on top of it, I literally ran over a nail on that Saturday, popped my tire. Stupid, stupid. Michelin tires. I was so stressed. I was so anxious. And, and I remember sitting in, in my office, which was tucked in the very back of the church, like way out of the way. It was this big church. And I was way in the back. And I was sitting there, and it was like 30 minutes before service, and I'm literally on the verge of tears, thinking, man, we just got married. I can't pay our mortgage. How am I going to explain this to my father-in-law? You know, I'm thinking of all these stupid things. I walk out of my office. I grab my Bible. And as soon as I open the door, I kid you not, I open the door and there's an old man standing right in front of me. Didn't say anything, just handed me an envelope. I looked at him and I was like, what's this? That's all he said. He said, just wanted you to know that Jesus cares. He walked away. I opened the envelope. It was too Mortgage payments to the dollar. He had no one in our church even knew that Maddie had lost her job. Not a single person. And I thought, man, I get so stressed out over some money. When my God owns the cattle on the side of a thousand hills, what is a little bit of money to my provider? So because I caught it at the door, I can now cast it where it belongs. Now here's, here's the coolest part of this, is that now his yoke is easy, his burden's light. Because if Jesus is over here, it's real easy to be obedient now because nothing's holding me down. It's real easy to, to hear him now because nothing's drowning out his voice. And at the same time, all of the people in my life, which in this case are you guys, you see me living freely and lightly, not without the things that cause anxiety, fear, and worry, but all of those things behind me. You see me declaring Jesus as the truth and living the way that Jesus said I could live. It's not like a hoorah message. But it will change your life if you let it. And cast because he cares. Casting as a speed limit, slow down. You have to catch it before you can cast it. Will you stand with me?
I know it's social distancing, all that stuff, so I'm not going to ask anybody to, to come up here. But man, I was, I was praying on my flight this morning, and I really felt like God just said to me that there were going to be people in here who you just feel overwhelmed. You're just tired. You're exhausted. You're, you're running on empty. You feel burdened. You feel heavy. Tonight's just a night for us to cast everything at the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is, cast it. Maybe you're here and you've cast it before. Maybe this time it's time to cast it and leave it. Stop letting it back in. Stop picking it back up. Cast it in and leave it. You just close your eyes if you're here. If you feel comfortable, just slip up your hand. Raise your hand as we pray. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for you. I'm just going to cast some things at Jesus' feet tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for every single person in this room. Every person who might be listening to this. God, I pray that the things in our lives that are weighing us down, the things that we've given too much control over our life, that you would put those things on our heart right now. In this moment, we'd be reminded of the things that we need to cast to you. God, we know that you care. We know that you care so much. You care so much, not just about where we're going to spend eternity, God, but you care about our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday and our Thursday and our Friday, our Saturday and our Sunday. God, you care about every single thing that we're going through, God. You are not a God who just is big enough to handle sin. You're actually big enough to handle sin and cares. You care about our cares, God, which is why we feel and know that we can cast. God, we want to slow down. We want to hear you again. We want to feel you again. God, give us the strength that this week when we, when we leave a place like this where it's easy to see you, where it's easy to hear you, that when these distractions, when these stresses, when these worries, when they come back into our life, God, give us the wisdom, the discernment, the peace to stop them dead in their tracks, catch them at the door, and submit them to your feet. Jesus, we love you. And everybody said, amen. You just worship with us.